Well, let's get our Bibles out. Let's get ready for the Word. I'm really honored to be here. Always an honor to uh, preach in a church like this. And uh, what an honor to start a series, a brand new series called Worry Free. And uh, a couple of years ago, I, I wrote this book called Worry Free Finances. And um, it's done really, really well. Unfortunately, I think it's done well because a lot of people are worried about worried about money. I read a stat that just blew my mind. 80% of Americans worry about money all the time. Quote, all the time, meaning, uh, you know, eight out of 10 Americans are just consumed with anxiety and, and frustration and, and, and worry about, about their, their money. And, and it, it all started, it all started when I was studying to do a series in our church uh, about worry. I just wanted to do a series about worry. And so I got, you know, I Googled the word worry, which I don't recommend, by the way. You'll end up being worried about things you shouldn't worry about, right? So, like 400 million pages, over 400 million pages came up. And I realized, man, this is like our, this is like our national pastime as a country. We know how to worry. Some people are really good at it. And um, every study I read, the number one cause of worry. Can you guess what it is? It's money. In every study you read, every statistic, it all points back to, as Americans, our number one, our number one source of worry and anxiety is always money, is always money. And yet, being a student of the Bible, I look at what the Bible says about money, and the picture couldn't be further from from. You know, from, you know, the, the way the average American approaches money, worry, and if, if we're thinking like worry, anxiety, frustration, when you read the Bible, the picture is totally different. In fact, there are over 800, I went on this kind of mad, mad search because I realized, wow, this is like the biggest thing people are worried about. And yet when I read the Bible and study the Bible, the picture's totally different. Over 800 verses, I went on this mad search and studied and looked at what the Word says. Over 800 verses in the Bible about money, about finances. More is said about money in the Bible than heaven or hell combined. There's more in the Bible about, prayer, uh, uh, about money than about prayer. Uh, 16 of the 38 parables Jesus taught deal with money and money management. The point is there's a ton in the Bible about money and the picture is totally different. The picture that the Bible gives of our finances is that it's a place in our life that's peaceful, well-ordered, full of life, and blessed. A totally different picture than the average, than the average American, even the average American within church. So I just kind of went on this little mission. I wrote this book, and it kind of has become a message for me because I believe it is, God's, it is God's plan that you live in a place of peace where your finances are concerned. That when you think about money, you think peaceful thoughts, you think uh, thoughts of excitement about the future, you're, you're not worried and you're not, you're, not, you're not anxious. And so I looked at all those 800 verses and I started kind of organizing and outlining them and realized that you take all those 800 verses, they really fall into three big buckets. Three, I call them the three mega principles in the Bible about, about money. And I, and I wrote that book, and that book is basically the outline of that book is those three big principles. Well, I just want to talk about one. just want to unpack one this weekend. But before I do, I kind of want to just think a little bit with you about how you think about money and how you approach, how you approach this big part of 
of your life, your income, your finances, your bills, your, your, your savings, your debt, all those kind of things, you know, how do you approach it? Because truthfully, most of us think about money the way our parents thought about money. The way we were raised, our family of origin usually dictates or determines how we approach and how we handle our, our, our finances. Some people think, some people think this is what life is all about. Life is all about making money, 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 earning as much as I can, spending as much as I can, and it's really all, the purpose of life in some people's mind is all about money. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not, not money. Money is not the root of evil. It's the what? The love of money. Money is really not meant to be loved. <laughs> money is not meant to be worshipped. It's not meant to be pursued. Money is a great tool in our hand. It's a terrible master. It's a terrible leader, a terrible owner. Money can't own you. When you love money, it becomes a root of all kinds of problems in your life. And Paul's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says, he says these words. He says, uh, uh, some, some people, and it's kind of like, you know, Timothy, Timothy, you'll, you'll know some of these people when, when I say it. Some people, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. So money is so alluring, it's so, it's so flashy, it's so tempting that as Christians, if we're not careful, it can pull us away from the truth. Eager for money, they have wandered from the truth, and, 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 and he finishes it out by saying, and, and they pierced themselves with many griefs. In other words, there's problems in their life they've lost, and, and, and some of us could think of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Someone who, who lost their family because of their, their desire for money. Someone who lost, a, they lost the kids. The kids are off track with God. Whatever the case is, if your perspective is all about money, 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 and I need more of it, then it's not the right perspective. Other people, other people, it kind of seems like, yeah, like they're always struggling financially. They're always struggling financially. It's like one Money situation, you know, to, to, to the neck. I mean, it's just, there's always, there's always drama. There's always, you know, a car's broken down. There's always a, they lost their job or they, you know, they, 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 they need tires on their car and they can't afford them or they can't pay their electric, whatever it is. It's just like, there's always like this struggle and this dysfunction around, around money. And I, you know, at the risk of sounding real simplistic here, I kind of think there are three different levels of living where our money is concerned. And you may have heard this before, but I think it's a real good way to illustrate it. I think the first level is, is the level of, of not enough. Not enough. This is when you have more month, you know, than you have money. You have, you have more, more left in the month than you have in the, in the bank account, and you're out of money, you're... You're living in the land of, of, of not enough. You don't have enough. You don't have enough to, to take care of your basic needs or, 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 or just your basic needs. But, man, you know, it's just not enough. It's, it's never enough. And then you kind of maybe go to the next level. And the next level's better, but just slightly better. It's the land of just enough where you just have enough, but, you, you know, you feel like you're kind of one situation away from sliding back down to that 
land of not enough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But the best level, the best level is picture of what God's word says is the land of, can you, can you guess? More than enough. It's the land of more than enough. It's when you have enough to meet your needs and you have more than enough where you can save some money or better yet, you can help someone because the Abrahamic covenant is that we are blessed to be a blessing. And by the way, we all find ourselves in Abraham. He is our father. And so a part of our relationship with God is that we can believe that God wants us to live in the land of more than enough so that we can be blessed to be a, to be a blessing. And that's the picture. That's the picture. I remember, I don't know about you, but I remember the first time I filled up my gas tank. Anybody else remember? I remember when I didn't have to scrape together the change and go bring in, you know, $3.38 and give it to the clerk and say $3.38 on pump number seven. I remember when I put that thing in there and I clicked that little click, you know that, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like I, I clicked it in, I did this like, filling up. I wanted everybody to know I'm filling up. I'm filling up. Man, that was a good feeling. That was a good feeling. That's the feeling that God wants you to have, living at more than enough because it's not just the fact that you have your needs met, but there's peace instead of frustration, instead of anxiety. In fact, I want to give you this scripture, and may this scripture just sink into your heart and mind and resonate with you today and throughout this week because I think this is, this is, what, this is the scripture you want to print out and put on your refrigerator or write it out on an index card, put it on your dashboard, put it on the mirror in your bathroom. Listen to it, everybody. This is it. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no sorrow with it. That's the picture. The blessing of who? See, I, I want to commend you, some of you who have, you've been working real hard. You have, you have worked hard to get a good education. You've applied yourself. You've gotten a good job. You've worked hard. You're doing everything you know to do. I want to commend you, and I want to thank you for being good, you know, kind of participating citizens in this world and working hard. But, you know, there's another level, and it's the level of God's blessing in our life. It's one thing to know that my hands are blessed because I work hard and my mind's blessed because I got a good education and I'm applying myself and I'm taking advantage of opportunities. But it's another thing when I'm walking in the blessing of the Lord. That's another level. That's the level of favor. That's the level of, of, of more than enough. And can I just tell you, please hear me, there is nothing wrong with God blessing your life. He wants to bless your life, and he wants to bless every area of your life, your relationships, your opportunities, and he wants to bless the financial area of your life. Can I get an amen from the church? Can I get an amen? It's the blessing of the Lord, but listen, there's a difference with the blessing of the Lord. It brings wealth, and there's no drama attached to it. The blessing of the Lord. Come on, let's read it all together. Come on, Proverbs 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no sorrow, no worry, no regret, no dread, because it's the blessing of the Lord. 
If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. God knows how to bless me best. He created me. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows everything about me. Then I'm going to assume that he knows how to bless me the best. And I want to follow his principles. I want to follow his ways. I want to do what the Lord wants me to do. Because that's the kind of blessing that I want. I want the blessing of the Lord. I want the blessing of the Lord. Well, if we want the blessing of the Lord, we've got to go his way. We've got to do what he's called us to do. And I, I don't do much anymore, but if, if I do counsel someone, if I do sit down with someone and then they're struggling, they're having a challenge, whether it's their marriage or something going on with their family or their career or their finances, pretty much the first question I'll ask is always, are you tithing? Are you tithing? When you think about those three mega principles in Scripture, church, listen to me. The number one principle, the number one principle in terms of where you find it in order in Scripture, it comes first. And I think the number one principle in, in importance is this principle, this mega principle of tithing. It's first. It's found first in Scripture. It's found in Genesis chapter 14. Again, it was Abraham, our father, who brought, who brought a tithe. Tithing is something I think that's misunderstood in the church. I don't know about you, but I was kind of grew up in a church where I was told to tithe, but I wasn't taught about tithing. So as a result, I never really understood what the scripture said. And it seemed like kind of like this kind of mystical, foreign kind of, you know, thought, mystery in scripture. But I started really getting into it and realizing, no, this is a powerful, power-packed scripture. The principle of bringing the first part of my income to God. Okay, so, so, so let me unpack it for you a little bit. When you become a Christian, okay, if you're, if you're a Christian, I'm talking to you today. If you're not a Christian, then this really doesn't, doesn't really apply to you at this, at this moment in your life. But as a Christian, as a believer, when you became a Christian, your whole life was redeemed. Your past, come on, how many of you are thankful for that? <laughs> All right, your present and your future. Your relationships were redeemed. Every part of you redeemed, including your money. When you became a Christian, there was a new responsibility. And it's the responsibility to take what you've been given and to honor God with it. And God says, I want the first part, the first 10%. God says, it belongs to me. It's got God's name on it as a Christian, that first part of your income. It's called the tithe, and it, it belongs to God. So here's a very simple definition. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Tithing is the giving of the first 10% of my income to God through my local church. And we're going to see in just a moment, we're going to unpack probably the most prolific, the, 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 the best passage really on tithing in the whole Bible. It's the giving of the first 10%. Everybody say the first. Mm -hmm. To God through the local church where I'm planted, the local church that I'm a part of. That's the principle of tithing, okay? It's first mentioned in Genesis 14, okay? It's, it's, it's mentioned throughout the Old Testament. By the way, Abraham tithed 450 years before the law of Moses was given. 
Okay, so, so Abraham tithed, then Jacob, and you kind of read tithing all throughout Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Then you get into the law of Moses, and it's mentioned there, and then you get into the minor prophets, and it's mentioned there. It's, it, it's threaded throughout the whole Bible, all the way to Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus himself talked about tithing and said you ought to tithe. So that's Jesus. Okay, he's the one, right, that we live for, and he's the one that said we ought to tithe. Here's the point I'm making. Tithing spans every era of God's dealing with man. It's not an Old Testament principle. It's not a New Testament principle. It's a biblical principle. And, and it's, it's, it's something, if we want to see the blessing of the Lord, it's something that we follow through with. Now, let, let me just read a couple of verses. I think this is so great. Matthew chapter 3. I love the way it's worded. Uh, Matthew 3 and verse 6. Listen, I am the Lord and I do not change. Anybody thankful for that? <laughs> Come on, is anybody glad Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And let me just encourage you a little bit today. It doesn't matter what happens to the thunder, and it doesn't matter who's president of the United States. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we're citizens of his kingdom. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's thank God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today. Will anybody beside me, anybody going to be glad when this election season is over? And we, May we just move right along? Whatever happens, you're going to have to get on board, right, with who the new president is, November, December, and Jesus is still on the throne. Just remember that. I am the same, God says. I'm the same. And because of that, you, descendants of Jacob, are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. You know, when you scorn God's decrees, it's like you're kind of, you, you look down on, on, on the Lord's principles, you kind of, you know, scoff, you know, kind of scorn. So that's what you've been doing, the Lord said to these people. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how, how can we return when we've never gone away? Should people Now here's God's answer. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When, when did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. This is, the, this is kind of the lowest part of the, 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 the verse, right? Lowest part of the message right here. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Okay, everybody look up at me for a moment. Let me just mention this, and, 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 and so we can get, get, get on from here. But the truth is the purpose of tithing is so that your church is strong. Okay, bottom line, the principle of tithing is when you bring your tithe and you bring your tithe, you bring your tithe, I bring my tithe, it all comes together. It's so that God's church is strong. And let me just remind you, God's church, it's, it's God's idea. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so God wants his church right in the middle of everything that's going on, not in, in the back somewhere, you know, kind of weak and anemic, but a city on a hill, the light of the world, a strong church engaged in its culture. Come on, is anybody hearing what I'm saying? That's God's vision for what the church ought to look like. And it's God's idea. So, so, so we invest financially so that our church is able to do what our church is called to do. Okay? And I know there's this, you know, there's this dynamic, I think, that the enemy, you know, uses in people's mind. Well, the church this and all the church wants is my money. I, let me just say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that is not true about this church. This church 
uh, loves you, wants you to succeed. This church is for you. Again, maybe there were challenges in other churches and some abuse in the past, whatever it is. Listen, let all that go and realize that you're a part of a great church today, a church that's strong and healthy and led well, and your tithe makes a difference. But we got to move on because most of the rest of the passage focuses on you. Okay? Most of the rest of this passage passage focuses on how God wants to bless you because of your time. So yes, the purpose is to strengthen the church, no doubt about it. But look what it says. If you do this, now he's talking to you. Okay, the church is going to be strengthened through your giving. But if you do this, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. Okay, so, so let's make the analogy. Your, your income, there's going to be abundance. Your income. I'll guard them. I'll guard your income. I'll bring protection. One translation I love says, I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll rebuke those things, God says. I'll prevent those things that try to to take. I'll guard them from insects and disease. Your, your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And all the nations, all your neighbors, all your co-workers will call you blessed. For your land, your life will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. See, there's so much more in that passage about you and your life than about the church. By the way, the church will be strong because of your tithe, but it's all about your life. It's all about the windows of heaven over your life. And so, number one, God knows how to bless me best, but here's number two. You need to write this down. When I tithe, God moves powerfully across my whole life. My whole life. Everybody say, my whole life. My whole life. See, we can't see them, but Right above our life are windows, windows in heaven. And your tithe, the Bible says, is the key that unlocks that window and God throws open that window and pours out a blessing so room, so, so, so great you don't have the room to, to take it in. And so it's not just, and I, I, I appreciate the fact that Financially, God begins to move. And I can make a promise wholeheartedly from Scripture and from experience that if you're not tithing and you begin to tithe today, I promise you in the next two weeks, the next 30 days, God will move powerfully in a financial way in your life. But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Because just stop and think about it. If there is an open heaven over your life, that's the favor of God. That's the favor of God, not only for your finances, that's the favor of God for your marriage. That's the favor of God for your kids. That's the favor of God for your future. And I don't know about you, but I want the favor of God. I want to walk in the favor of God. And, and I think so many people misunderstand God's favor. Well, let me just pray for it. Let me pray for it. Let me pray for it. No, there are certain things you do to activate the favor of God. And tithing is one of those things that opens 
the windows of heaven across your whole life. In fact, we got an email a couple of weeks ago. I just wanted to read it. Came into our church. This, this woman writes, she says, I became a member of the Life Church. That's the name of our church. In January 2015, I immediately joined the Connect team in Cairoville, one of our campuses, and started attending the financial classes. And I'm so thankful that People's Church is doing some financial classes. Make sure you, you're studious, okay, that you hear the word of the Lord and you obey what the word of the Lord says, but, but you also re- kind of reset your thinking about money and, and, and learn. Come on, let's not be too proud to learn some new ways of how to, you know, how, how to figure out our money and handle our finances. So she said, I dove in. I, I, got, I got involved in the financial classes. I also reached out for financial coaching. We have financial coaches at every one of our campuses. And, and she says, and, and, and I got in a, even a financial connect group. So she just like jumped in. And she says, listen to this. When I came, I had just experienced a significant reduction in my pay of $33,000 a year. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a big reduction. And uh, I had also, she said, accumulated $40,000 in debt. In the past, I was fortunate enough to supplement my income with consulting contracts and part-time teaching. However, at that time, all the doors seemed to be closed and the likelihood of earning a promotion and additional streams of income to supplement my regular salary salary was minimal. After sitting down with the financial coach from the Life Church and facing the harsh reality of my circumstances, I made lifestyle changes And I committed to the plan. I started to tithe. And she said, the floodgates opened. Over the last year, I have acquired 15 consulting and part-time teaching contracts, totaling, wait for it, $33,591. The Lord totally made up. Think about that. The Lord totally made up the gap, the difference. And she said, also, remarkably, as of August 1st, 2016, I'm totally debt-free. I'm totally debt-free. Now, I love this last line in the email. Here's what I want you to catch. As a result of what I learned through the ministry, my entire life, E-N-T-I-R-E. Come on, give me an E. <laughs> give me an E. No, okay. All caps, my entire life has changed, not just my finances. I don't understand it. I don't totally understand it, but I know Tithing has the potential and the capacity to bring a tremendous amount of momentum into your life. Spiritual momentum, financial momentum. It's the favor of God flowing. It's the favor of God flowing. Here's the third thing that I want to give you. I want you just to jot this down. And I want you to think about this. My tithe breaks the power of the enemy over my life. Okay, so God not only brings kind of the, like, I call it kind of the offensive blessing. God starts providing. The windows of heaven open. God starts blessing. The favor of God starts flowing. But God says, I will become your protection. I will rebuke the devourer. I will guard and protect. So for some For some reason, tithing not only opens the windows of heaven, but it brings a hedge of protection around your life. It's unbelievable. You say, well, I've never never seen that. Well, if you're a tither, you've never seen it because you've never seen it. Meaning there are things that should have happened 
and there are things that could have happened that never happened. You never saw them because there's a protection. Come on, y'all. There's a washing machine that's still running today. <laughs> that thing should have done been broken, and gone, and you're a tither, man. That thing just keeps on going. All those, lo all those kids, all those loads of clothes. You know, every time I, I'm going to finish with this thought, because every time I teach on tithing, there's always three groups of people. Okay, I just want you to think about this. You find yourself in one of these groups. The first group are those of you that are tithing. You're hearing this message, and you're encouraged. Every time I study tithing, because I preach on it several times in our church, several times, a couple times a year. Every time I study it and look at the, the principle of it and study the scriptures, every time I preach it, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm encouraged today as I'm preaching this message. So I'm realizing, what a principle. I've been tithing for 30 years. And you've been, you've been tithing. You're hearing this message. You ought to feel encouraged. You ought to feel encouraged. Now, don't feel so encouraged that you say, well, I'm going to take a little vacation. I'm going to take a break. No, don't take a vacation. Stay with it. There's something about the consistency of it that's so powerful. So you're a tither. Good on you. Keep going. The second group, this is the group of people and you're like, whoa, I have never heard this before. I remember the first time I heard about it. You're like, whoa, I've never heard this before, but it sounds amazing. And so, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? The word. So when the word is preached and you hear it, faith rises in your heart. And it's that faith that gives you the courage to take a, a step. So let me just tell you, you've never heard it before and you're thinking, wow, this is a going to require an adjustment. Yes, it will. But <laughs> I promise you, you start tithing today, you won't miss it. You're thinking to yourself, I'm struggling to survive on 100% of my income. How am I going to thrive on 90%? It's because you're, you're bringing the Lord in. <laughs> Come on, the Lord's coming in. He'll be your coach and quarterback and receiver. <clears throat> okay? So step out in faith. You need to start this. You're, you're a believer. You're hearing the word of the Lord. You need to start today. Okay, here's the third group. Third group. You're, this is, you're, I've been praying for you. I mean, just say, because I know you're, you feel bad. I mean, just to be honest, you feel bad. You, you used to tithe. You know this is a principle from the word. But you're sitting here today and you're like, gosh. You know, something happened in summer and you, did, you went on vacation and whatever and you stopped tithing and, or, so, or your car broke down or something happened and you kind of took matters into your own hand and you stopped honoring the Lord. Okay. Can I just tell you? The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But you got to start again today. You need to. Don't say, well, January is a good time. I mean, I'm a, we're a couple months away and don't do that start now you know it's the word of the lord you know it's a principle that's breathed on in scripture go for it and i love i love the fact that you you, you guys do this three we do the exact same thing we call it 90 day money back guarantee <laughs> you guys call it a three-month tithe challenge and these cards i think are on the seats at every location and let me just encourage you what 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 a great thought that you could start tithing today. Now, you, you, you got to tithe, and you need to follow the scripture, right? 10%, the whole tithe. But you follow this, this principle, 
and you do it for three months and you don't see major momentum and blessing from the Lord, this church says they will refund all that you've given in three months. I mean, it's a, it's a win-win. And we've done this for years. And can I tell you, I haven't, we've never had one person come back and say, I need a, I need a refund. <laughs> we never have. We never have. And you know some people would not be ashamed to come ask for a refund. Y'all don't be giggling like that because some of y'all be like, but it won't happen. Instead, you'll be the one sending emails like this. You'll be the one sending emails. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, you received that today? Do, do you thank God for God's word today? Come on. It's God's word. The Lord wants to bless your life, the financial area of your life, free of worry, free of anxiety.